ever do a Slim Jim. Freak out. Hey, 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 how are you guys doing out there in Geek Vibes Nation? This is your friend, Dane Alves, your, your companion of wrestling um, endeavors, if you will, and everything that is wrestling over on Geek Vibes Nation. Check out our website, guys, if you're new listeners. We do this show uh, Wednesday, or no, 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 Thursday and Saturday now, um, and you can listen to it on Blog Talk Live. We usually do it at 7 o'clock. On Thursdays, and we're doing at noon on Saturdays to cover all of your wrestling goodness from the last week. Um, check out our website, geekvibesnation.com. There you'll find links to our Spotify, our Stitcher, SoundCloud, and iTunes, many other programs. So you guys can look it up afterwards if you want to listen to it, you know, later on the week. But uh, yeah, our website also has news articles for wrestling, comic books, everything. Geek Vibes Nation is the nation you should be a part of. It's like the nation of dominant. Wait, wait a minute. I think I've heard that one before. I don't know. I don't know. Anyways, <laughs> I have my co-host here, Christopher Brother Ray Patton. How are you doing, sir? Doing great, man. Just got up. Ready to talk about some wrestling. How you been, bud? Sipping on some coffee. A lot more, uh, less, you know, distraught probably than last time that we talked. Honestly, don't have as much aggravation today. It's a new Damn day. It. I was, I yes, was looking forward to the aggravation. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for adding to my declining health, or not not personally from you, but like your want to see me break down and rip my headphones off. And hey, man, I I gotta have to have I have to have someone I can yell at shit with. <laughs> yeah, no shit. Well, speaking about yelling, let's uh, let's get into yelling about some of these news articles before we cover the rest of AEW, like we said we would. Uh, cover NWA and go over SmackDown from last night. Uh, before we do that, like I said, we've got a couple things to talk about. Some of them, I think, are you know news items uh, because of who said it, but I don't think that they're actually bigger than than that. But we'll you know we'll cater to you guys wanting to know about this stuff. So I think the first uh, bit of news that we should talk about. Uh, something that me and Chris I don't think saw coming, uh, AAA, the biggest uh, or the most popular, I should say, uh, promotion in Mexico, uh, who is doing work with Impact and ex- especially with um, what you call AEW, um, has a new mega champion. Their world heavyweight belt, which was held by Phoenix, uh, was, was going in a match against uh, Kenny Omega, the cleaner, and he ended up picking up the win and taking the belt. Triple uh, A has some lineups for him to defend the belt from here until the end of this year. I don't think it's going to be a long run, but hey, he hasn't had a major uh, world heavyweight belt within the U.S. You know, I would think that AEW is trying to build their one, but 
Uh, I don't know if he if he ever had Ring of Honors. Obviously, that's not as big as it once was. Uh, Impact, same type of concept. I know he never went to Impact, but usually when you think World Heavyweight title, there's two that you kind of point to in, in uh, the U.S., and that's uh, obviously WWE World Heavyweight Championship, and now more prestige has been brought into it with the NWA, you know, 10 pounds of gold. But either way, Mexico's top heavyweight title, Japan's top heavyweight title. Pretty cool uh, added accolade, if you will, for Kenny Omega. And uh, if you want to go back, I would definitely suggest his match with Phoenix. It was pretty damn hard-hitting. Good match. Uh, Congratulations to the cleaner. I wish you, since they talked about him being the champion, he could have, you know, worn the belt, uh, you know, uh, on uh, the last episode going against Joey Janela of Dynamite. But, hey, whatever. Still pretty cool nonetheless. Chris, what do you think about this? It's kind of cool. I, I, I guess my ex, expectation is that he is going to end up defending this title on AEW. It would have been nice to see him with the belt on TV, uh, especially after AEW made such a big deal about him winning it, posting you know the, the shots of him with the belt. And the fact that Phoenix is actually there, and it doesn't really hurt AAA for that title to be there because they've already done this with the Young Bucks uh, being their tag champions. So that piece of it was a little weird to me, but uh, I mean, it pretty much just pretty much just says, uh, "Hey, you guys are going to get to see some more Phoenix and uh, Omega matches in the very near future, regardless of the company." So I'm always excited for that. But yeah, I thought it was pretty cool. I didn't, I haven't actually got to see the match where the titles changed hands, so I can't like talk about the quality of work or anything. But um, I'll probably go back and watch it and look forward to seeing what they're going to do with AAA in, in that title. Absolutely, and I think that for AAA, they're they're huge. They have their popularity. They have their audience in uh, Mexico and a lot of the other uh, South American, you know, where, where they're popular basically in Central America and South America. And the Caribbean probably, but either way, this is good for their market to have the Young Bucks in this new popular company of AEW, a U.S.-based company, for the Young Bucks to have the titles and to flop them with the Lucha Bros, one of their biggest company members, if you will, and now with Kenny and them. So I think it's a, it's a smart move by both companies. Uh, I, like I said, I don't think it's going to be a lengthy uh, title run. And I could even see Chris possibly Pentagon taking that title off of Kenny since they've hinted at the two of them colliding in the past, and maybe they keep that triple A base. But uh, I would have liked to see some implications with Phoenix and then Kenny having the belt, like you said, back on Dynamite. But uh, we'll have to wait and see to see what uh, you know happens. Like you said, Kenny versus Phoenix in the future, whether it be triple A or uh, AEW is great. And if it is someone else, uh, you know, whether it be – Pentagon or someone else from AAA, I'm sure it'll be some fun, entertaining matches. Any last statements before we move on? No, that's pretty much it. I mean, I guess the the weirdest thing as far as AEW goes is that Phoenix and Pentagon are going to be locked up in this tag team for a while. So that's that's my yeah. only thing about you know them promoting this title is if we get a singles match, I don't think that's going to be the primary focus uh, with the Lucha Brothers. Yeah, and it will probably be outside of AEW where it happens like it just did with Phoenix and Kenny. That's what I would assume, Uh, which is fine. All right, well, uh, our next item of news, this is one of those things, and we have another one where it was just a cool statement made. I have no clue if there's any validity to it, and uh, we probably shouldn't look too much into it, but we'll, like, you know, go over it basically. But Triple H, um, you know, this is reported by WWE on their own. Um, platform with WWE now as a news item, but Triple H made waves on Twitter when he 
kind of hinted at the prospect of him and Shawn Michaels going against uh, Johnny Gargano and Tommaso Ciampa in the future of NXT. Within the statement, he basically said, like, you know, we have that ability here at NXT where we can try to form something like that and have a great match if we wanted to pull it out, say something like a DX versus DIY. If I wanted to do that, you know, Sean here is the main coach. I'm one of the guys that participates with the guys in the back as well. These are two of Sean's students. We could definitely put something like that, basically kind of catering towards the idea that that could be something they could pull out in the future. I mean, if you were to pull out some big guns, like having Shawn Michaels come out of retirement to work with two of his students in a tag match, that's definitely going to get some eyes towards your product. Uh, right now, we know that Tommaso Ciampa is obviously in a program with Adam Cole, or at least they're setting that up, and Gargano is with Finn Balor. But let me just say, Chris, do you think there's a possibility? Obviously, the last time with Saudi Arabia was for money. This would be a little more dear towards Shawn Michaels since he's had a lot to do with the Performance Center, and these are two of his key students, obviously. Do you think that they would actually do this to try to boost ratings in the next couple of weeks of forming out a DIY versus DX match, maybe as a, well, I would assume as the main event for either a takeover or on television to boost up the ratings? Mm. I think it's a possibility. I, I don't necessarily know it's a guarantee for sure. Uh, with, you know, specifically with Sean, feels like he got a pretty big payday to do the Saudi Arabia show. Um, I would love to see that match. I, I don't know how good it would be. Last match we saw Triple H in with Sean, Triple H tore his peck, and then Sean had to carry the entire match uh, by himself and took a lot more bumps than he actually was planning on or wanted to. Uh, so maybe that's sitting in the back of his mind as well. Uh, I, w- I would love to see it. I think it would be pretty cool. I don't know that that's my go-to, like, DX versus DIY necessarily. I, I mean, I would think more like, you know, DX versus the club um, with all of DX or maybe like Road Dog and, and Triple H and Shawn Michaels versus, the, you know, the club or something like that. Uh, as I, I just never saw any kind of resemblance between DIY and – DX as opposed to you know the club or, or, or a group like that or even like Undisputed Era I would consider more similar to DX than DIY uh, outside of just the fact that you know Sean and Triple H are there and those are kind of their top guys and they had a top feud but yeah so I mean like the, the the contrast and the decision to just throw that name out there does make it seem like it's something they've at least thought about. Yeah, I find it interesting, kind of kind of catering towards similarities, and I do, I do agree with you. There is way other things that um, – there are other things that I would like to see if it were to do this involvement. I just know that if if we were to go about this and looking at it as a, as a business decision for NXT going against AEW, this is a huge get, obviously, if they were to be able to pull this off. Triple H has had matches, not the greatest matches, but he's had, I think, two matches outside of that one, or at least one with Batista – uh, outside of that tag match. Um, not saying that he's not accident prone. We all know that he is. His muscles stretch out of his fucking, his shirts and stuff. But um, if they were, they, they could coordinate and work on this and make it really good and, and kind of cater towards Sean's weaknesses. And Sean works with these guys a lot. But even with the similarities, you got Triple H, Tommaso Ciampa, both the disgruntled members of their group that turn on the other member and kind of can be their best friend and also their enemy kind of chicken shit in aspects, but also had a great year, you know, Triple H in 99, Tommaso Ciampa last year as being the head villain, hated 
And now, because they're so over, they're injured, they both come back. So I can see that similarity with them. Sean and, and Johnny are best buddies outside of this. Johnny considers Sean his mentor. You know, obviously Johnny has not the greatest mic skills. I love Johnny, but it's if he's not intense, he's kind of he's not near Sean in that department. But work-wise, I know Sean appreciates both him and Champa. So I could see them trying to position this, and I think that it would mean more so than just a paycheck to Sean if they were to do this to try to brand, you know, him and him and Hunter's uh, baby with, with what's going on right now with NXT. So it's a very interesting prospect. I don't know if it holds any weight, but for them to have that ace in their sleeve to really do some shit within the next couple of weeks, it's, it's a, it's a crazy, uh, it's a crazy idea that actually might happen. So yeah, any last I, I, about I, that before we go, I mean, I think the biggest statement is everyone wants Sean versus AJ. So if you're going to do yeah. a Sean match, Sean God. versus AJ, the one, specifically since even oh. their own announcers draw the comparisons uh, <laughs> from AJ Styles to Shawn Michaels, I think like if you're going to have one match, that would be the one. And also, I don't know that it necessarily helps Wednesday Night TV to have them on randomly. It's something that you would have to build, they would have to up build it. and promote. Yeah. Um, Absolutely. And I'll, I also don't know that TakeOver is the right show for that. Uh, their audience is a little is smaller. Honestly, that's crazy. Raw. I, well, they would have to promote it on Raw and SmackDown, but honestly, I think it would be more effective to build up and have it on your actual show going against AEW than even TakeOver. I don't know. I, I, it's one of those things where I have to weigh whether people love Sean so much that they're going to tune in for this or whether they're still just going to do their normal watching habits on Wednesday. There's just so much wrestling at this point. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, I, 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 I agree. Um, I do think Sean's definitely still a draw, but, if, God, if we could just – in a perfect world, we could have this if they really want to do it and then have him and AJ with an actual retirement match at, at WrestleMania. That would be my perfect, perfect concept. But this, is, this all caters to if Sean and Triple H want to do it or if Triple H is just talking shit – to try to say, hey, look what we can possibly do in the future against AEW. So who knows? Yeah, I uh, I just want to, Dad, Dad, I was wondering uh, if if we're to do something uh, on screen. Um, anyways, uh, let's let's go to uh, another uh, interesting talking point. You know, I don't think it's full of anything, Chris, but uh, Randy Orton uh, had a very uh, interesting Twitter uh, picture. Uh, he was posing on an elevator, blocked out part of what it said, uh, so it just had the word elite, um, you know, kind of focused, and him looking towards it. Uh, and his response on Twitter was, TikTok, TikTok. And he tagged Scott Dawson, Dash Wilder, people that we know that he's picked up as friends within WWE, uh, The Revival, the current SmackDown champions, Luke Harper, Riddick Moss, which was kind of interesting, I guess they're buddies. And then the American Nightmare, Cody Rhodes, and Chris Jericho. Uh, Very, very interesting shit. I think that, you know, me and you talked about this. I think Randy's a smart businessman. Um, I think he's just trying to re-up on stuff and, uh, you know, just showing uh, his value. But uh, very interesting who he tagged. I love Chris Jericho's response of saying, hey, man, send in his tape, and we'll, we'll, we'll make a consideration towards it. Obviously, Chris has said many times he's friends with Randy Orton. It's busting balls, but I thought that was hilarious. And uh, I just want to know if you think 
that <laughs> how do you think WWE Vince and Triple H uh you know basically reacted to this and can they really do anything anyways uh with Randy cuz if they piss him off he could actually do this and if not this is a good compromise for him to be like hey give me more fucking money if you don't want me to do some shit what do you think about this I mean, I'm sure that I'm sure WWE wasn't exactly thrilled joker no joke uh especially because there's been rumors about Orton going to AEW when his contract was up, you know, previously they were floating out there. But as far as like Randy's commitments, I always thought that he's kind of probably going to end up sticking with WWE and they'll just make whatever they have work out um, money-wise. So to me, this is just, you know, him talking about, hey, it'd be nice to have some more money, <laughs> which is weird to think about. I, I don't I don't know where he fits in AEW. Um, if he wants to go there, I'm sure that he could have some good feuds with Cody and Jericho, but outside of that, I don't, I don't know where you slot him in as. Um, you can't just bring him in and have him being, be super dominant because the wins and loss counter actually matters. So that, that piece of it's a little weird. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I like... Uh, I like Orton okay. As, as everyone knows who's listening to this podcast, I'm not the biggest fan of Orton. In fact, I have buried him uh, on several occasions. So, uh, as, far as, as far as it goes with WWE, I, I, I mean, I feel like they're just going to make that happen. Um, he's one of those guys that's almost got the 16 championships. And there's stuff he can build around that. Uh, yeah, man. Uh, it's interesting news, and the people that he specifically named are also people that were rumored for AEW, so I'm assuming that he was just more poking fun at the internet because he tends to do that. Um, but it was like Jericho's response was solid gold. Le Champion is not letting us down <laughs> recently with his responses <laughs> things. <laughs> He's like, why don't you send in a tape, kid? See if we can get your try out. Which <laughs> is pretty... Pretty fucking great. Yeah, man, I definitely, uh, I definitely am intrigued by that. Uh, to, you know, I, I agree with you. I don't think, and not only that, I'll even say that I don't think Randy's been motivated at all with WWE in years. You can just tell he's there. Uh, kind of similar to Dolph Ziggler, but like not as uh, tragic and sad, I guess. Um, but uh, he's kind of just showing up for movie roles. He's pulling up uh, Ben Affleck, or not a Ben Affleck, a Bruce Willis for the last fucking 20 years of just kind of phoning it in. But, um, you know, I think this is just pay me more. And, uh, you know, I think that was him just doing that. But uh, funny nonetheless, good story. And like you said, La Champion's uh, response was fucking perfecto with this. Yes, the son of Ted Irvine from the mean streets of Winnipeg. La Champion. And the it, mean uh, streets of Winnipeg. <laughs> pretty fucking awesome recently. <laughs> hey, man, I'm going to believe that there's mean streets in Winnipeg because Roddy Roddy Piper is also from there. So maybe he was brawling with some zombies or some shit uh, at some point you think, over there. You think Kenny Omega is also there with his uh, barbed wire broom, like doing the dance <laughs> that. Uh, you ever seen the movie Breaking where he's dancing with a broom? Do you think Kenny Omega is just on the streets of Winnipeg doing that, but with a barbed wire broom? I think he's changing it up and making it a little more updated. He's doing the floss uh, is what my, my guess is in the middle of it. Uh, well, we saw how AEW fans reacted to Marco Stunt doing the floss. So I don't know if that's a good career choice, Kenny. 
Yeah, but he's 12. He's allowed to. You know, he's he's a kid. I'm just kidding. I know people that he's 20. I'm just kidding. That was a joke. Kind of branching off of uh, Jim Cornette's evaluation of Marco Stunt. But anyways, I know that I know that Brian Alvarez. I know that I know that Brian Alvarez broke his leg. <laughs> yeah. I, did you, did, I, did I tell you? I think that um, if if they're a Pokemon, I think Marco Stunt would be the first evolution to Brian Alvarez. I came to that conclusion. <laughs> what, what? All right, that's fucking awesome. I got nothing. I got more to go from there. <laughs> All right, uh, this is another report. The reason why I, I want to talk about this is because there's been a lot of talk back and forth about statements uh, from other people trying to act at least like they don't have sour grapes, and a lot of it is PR stuff between the side of CM Punk recently and Triple H, um, you know, WWE, Vince McMahon, those two entities. Uh, you know, we went all the way back from the Clatter interview probably about a month and a half ago where – CM Punk made it clear he's not trying to come back to wrestling, and then he changes it uh, recently and says that he'd be open to the idea. We also know that he said several times that willing, you know, not necessarily in a wrestling sense, but if the money was good and, you know, he's willing to try to work things out, basically, and working with the WWE on uh, some type of level, uh, he was tried out for the uh, – the uh, the show that would actually probably have viewers, even though I love Renee and I love Booker T, but if, if it, honestly, if Punk was on that backstage show, it would probably increase its viewers, but something didn't work out with that on that end. And now uh, we get a, a very interesting um, statement by someone. Forbes magazine's a, a pretty prestigious business magazine. When they bring up articles related to wrestling, I tend to think it's a uh, kind of important type of thing to talk about. Uh, they have a lot of value as far as a uh, you know some uh, a public uh, what you call it uh, outlet of news and shit, especially when it comes to business. But so one of their representatives uh, said, is saying at least that you know he's talked to people within WWE and he's got a statement uh, regarding rumors that WWE tried to kibosh uh, you know Punk's involvement with WWE backstage, kind of going into the whole. Yeah, they could have influence, but they realized that Punk would drive the numbers up and that they had no control on that, that that was all, you know, Fox's decision. Now, whether or not that's true and whether or not this next statement is true, here's a statement that the representative made about who he talked to from WWE. Firstly, as regards WWE backstage, I am told by a source in Fox that CM Punk was never close to the presenting role that he applied for. The idea that WWE... Uh, do not have a say in people on their own platform is very wide of the mark. And while the WWE aren't known to have outright vetoed the move, I am told that the concerns of their management were definitely heard. So there's that. I can also report that Vince McMahon himself is open to the idea of having CM Punk return in the wrestling ring. Sources tell me that Vince sees the potential to make money uh, from CM Punk and Vince has no problem with Punk. He'd love to have him back. Uh, so that was a statement. I think there is a another anonymous source within this article said, Vincent Hunter, they're proud men. Punk is a proud man. Somebody's got to get over there, um, got, get over that and go first, and it's not going to be Vince, basically, which makes a lot of sense. I mean, if you look at the Stone Cold and Vince thing, it took JR to get Austin to call Vince, basically. Um, obviously, a different relationship between, I would say, between – uh, Vince and Punk, and also Vince and Austin. But 
interesting nonetheless. I think that me and, and, and you have talked about, Chris, that if Punk were to come back in wrestling, if Punk were to come back into wrestling, we would prefer him actually raise the, sta- raise the stock, if you will, with uh, AEW. I think that would be much better of a platform for him to kind of uh, come back to wrestling-wise. If not, I mean, I don't see a lot of – none of the smaller promotions would want to pay him – uh, probably that he he deserves honestly. Like, why the hell would he go to Impact if WWE potentially would pay more money for that? Um, NXT is is with WWE, so if he doesn't want to go back to WWE, he's not going to. AEW makes a lot of sense, and I think that you know he's he's older and he's never been too skilled. It would be a big thing for him to go to a New Japan. I just don't think that that would happen, and I don't think they would want to pay him the amount, and I don't think he would want to travel and stay in Japan. So. It looks like the two places, AEW and WWE. Obviously, WWE wants to get every leg up on AEW. So, would Vince be willing to pay the amount to get CM Punk back in some type of position, especially wrestling? And would CM Punk make the advance and actually taking advantage of that and talking to Vince about his feelings and then work out their relationship? Chris, what do you think about all this? I, I mean, it 100% comes down to how big that paycheck is. And we, we've talked about this for almost two years at this point, whether Punk was coming back or not coming back. And my thought is, as, as far as the WWE Vince side, if Vince thinks it makes business sense and it's going to help WWE, he can let things go. I mean, he did it with Brock and the, and the example that you provided with Stone Cold. Um, if he thinks it's smart for business, you know, he, he'll fucking do it. On the CM Punk side... I, I don't know. I don't know where he's at in his head. That's kind of one of those weird things. We have these interviews where he talks about he's not thinking about pro wrestling. He's focused on jujitsu. Um, and then the next thing you know, he's like, well, I'm not against returning to wrestling. Uh, it, it's a little weird and kind of flip-floppy. And the other piece of it... That, Chris, you know, speaking directly to that, do you think that he's getting the itch a bit now that he has gotten a little bit back to wrestling? Like, been a part of the scene more recently? Maybe I, I, Punk is just such, has always been such a weird, especially since he left WWE. It seems like he's actually kind of been weird to his wrestling fans, and uh, a lot disjointed. Not as much in that the Starcast interview that he did, um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I you would think right, like at one point in time he loved wrestling and was one of the biggest wrestlers in the entire planet and had a huge fan base, and maybe. He is kind of missing that a little bit, but he's also not like he's not going to be your Daniel Bryan guy that just talks about how much he hates being retired and loves wrestling and and they won't let him come back kind of kind of thing. It's it's they're just it's just very different. I will say that um, I mean it's been specifically said by multiple sources in AEW that like whatever he said about that contract offer that he perhaps received through text message or whatever. They basically said they weren't going to hire the guy. So if AE, I mean, if WWE is just trying to hire the guy because they're afraid AEW is going to get him, I just don't see that being the case. Uh, and also, I don't really want AEW to do that. I mean, they already have, you know, two former WWE stars that are kind of at the top um, of their business model. I don't know that bringing in Punk really does much. And yeah, it's. I mean, it does a lot for ratings initially. I just don't know where you would go from there. And I don't necessarily want to see him back in WWE either because WWE is at the, uh, the shitter get off the pot 
mark that they've been on for years, which is we have to build someone new. I mean, right now they're bringing in Tyson Fury and Kane Velasquez and looking around Brock Lesnar, who's been their champion pretty much for three years straight Forever. Uh, with a few little breaks in the middle. But, I mean, the fan base is just tired. And you give them a glimpse at something like, uh, let's say, Bray Wyatt, right, with what he was doing as The Fiend, and then you take it away. I just don't know that, like, the CM Punk chants don't actually mean <laughs> what WWE thinks they mean to me. I think the CM Punk chants, like, we're bored with this boring shit. And not necessarily, hey, like, we actually want to see CM Punk back. Yeah, I agree. I did think it was funny the other day where CM Punk decided to randomly put on Twitter in all caps, CM Punk, explanation point, CM Punk, explanation point, CM Punk. And Steve Austin, from his actual Twitter account, responded with, what? Question mark. <laughs> the, two, the two fucking chants that plague WWE, especially when people are trying to work on the mic and are doing a terrible job at it. Ugh. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the CM Punk one, it it, to me is the craziest. The Austin one, Stone Cold, he did a wet thing. It was hilarious. The CM Punk one, even after he first left, it wasn't until that podcast came out that really that chant kind of garnered more attention while other people were doing shit. So that one's always a weird. weird, I mean, I I just take that as a, a. we're fucking. We under. We see that this is bullshit. WWE chant more so than like they actually want to see CM Punk. Am I incorrect yeah. on that? Like, no, no, no. I think it's. I think it's definitely a, a Pavlovian response to we're not fucking happy with this, and it starts off with a couple people that are a bit pissed off about whatever and using this as a way to say fuck you to WWE. I, I feel like AEW is now that new chant to say I, I'm not happy with what I got. And when the people that are aggravated about it start it, everyone jumps on top of it in the arena, and it's echoing. Yeah, well, yeah, I, there's going to be – I mean, there's going to be more. I mean, we did, did it with ECW, too, back in the day, but uh, like as yep. far as the ECW, the WWE events, but it was never like they do with the CM Punk chant or the AEW chant and th- that I can ever think of, at least. This is awesome. Clap, 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 clap. Well, either way um, – I, I, like I said, this is interesting stuff. Uh, nonetheless, uh, it's also, you know, with either with Tony Khan AEW, you can, you can have that bad blood in in the past, or even with the bad blood, obviously, a Punk has with Vince and Triple H. When it all comes down to it, I think it's money that will talk, and really the realization that CM Punk's a star, even if you don't have really anything to do with them. Now, the, the, the concept on the other side, before we exit this, and I'm sure you'll, you'll have a response to it, Chris, is that giving to the artist perspective of CM Punk and everything that he stood for and everything that he's pissed off about a couple of years about, would he really want to come back to a product wrestling in the ring where he's now an attraction and he's now bringing the focus away from the actual talent, something that he bitched about while he was there? Or is money, money, money the biggest thing? I mean, in my opinion, yes, it's CM Punk. And he always just kind of came off like me, 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 even when he's talking about shit that necessarily didn't go his way in WWE. And whether he's talking about it being like from an artist's perspective or what he wants to do in the ring. And 
and his ideas and all that stuff. I mean, that's all fine and dandy, but like he he would be essentially doing the same thing. <laughs> and money is probably a big factor more than anything else. I like I I don't know if CM Punk was just worried about the art of wrestling when he left WWE after the 90 day non compete after he got fired. He could have went and worked a bazillion different – like, he could have went back to PWG. He could have went to Evolve. He could have went to – well, probably not Evolve because WWE had their hands in it. He he could have went to uh, Ring of Honor. I mean, he chose not to, right? So, going back to WWE, it's going to be the same thing, but you're going to be booked on less shows now because they're going to probably book you as a special attraction, I would think. And they're going to book you against other big – they're not going to put him against, like, I don't know. They're not going to put him against Ricochet and then have Ricochet just straight beat him. Like, that's not what WWE yeah. does. So, I don't – and the place where he actually makes the most sense would be NXT. But that means he directly has to work under Hunter, <laughs> the Huntar. So, that's not going to happen. Uh, and I just don't see that happening because while Vince is probably all about the business, I, I don't know that Hunter necessarily sees the value of bringing him back um, and having to deal with that because he went after Hunter almost – I would say harder than he went after Vince, uh, specifically with like performance enhancement drug testing and drug testing in that interview. If you go back and look at that Cole Capana interview, um, he had a lot of negative shit to say about Hunter, and that would be the one that would seems like it would be the harder hatchet to bury than the Vince hatchet. Well, you know, and it, and it's it's funny, you know, just if you look at the landscape, he seemed to have burned bridges. <laughs> In pretty much every promotion, I I don't think because of his time in TNA, he's a fan of Scott Demore, who is one of the vice presidents there, uh, because of what happened with him. Um, I I definitely don't think that with Colt Cabana being involved with Ring of Honor, one of their main guys, that he has a really good uh, you know stay. Not saying that he would go to those WWE. Obviously, he's got his problems. He definitely wouldn't want to work underneath uh, Hunter in NXT, like you said. And he's also caused shit with the Young Bucks and specifically Cody with all the statements recently alienating himself with AEW. So it's still very interesting nonetheless, but all those factors are there. I think that you would agree, you know, before we move on to our next subject, that regardless, it's going to create a pop, and I'm probably going to individually pop if he does show up on Monday Night Raw or SmackDown. Yeah, I mean, it's still going to be a big get whether he comes back. Now, if they can actually fucking utilize him in a way that makes sense, that's the other, that, you know, that's the big question, really. Um, I, I never thought it was impossible. I kind of always assumed if he was going to do something, it would be him going back to Ring of Honor for a short run or him coming back to WWE. So the news itself is not surprising at all, man. All right, well, let's move on to our next segment of business. So New Japan's been doing some shopping over here in America, and uh, in America, NXT has been trying to do some shopping over in Japan unssuccessfully. Uh, So we have the reports that basically King of Sports New Japan Pro Wrestling is going to be subsidizing uh, a new company called New Japan Pro Wrestling of America coming over here. so it's interesting because we heard that they were trying to expand. Obviously, something that kind of looks like it got in the way of their expansion was the formation of AEW. Um, you know, and they, they do great on their sides of things, but they come over here and they have good crowds and everything, but they also have the LA Dojo that's been putting out new talent. And this seems like kind of an NXT style thing for New Japan. It's a new things they're going to be pumping stuff into. Um, I know that they have 
a couple dates already announced in November, November 9th in San Jose and November 11th in Los Angeles, and then December 7th through the 8th in Anaheim. So they're going to start a whole expansion over here. Now, on the flip side, we reported last time, or last Saturday, I should say, not on last Wednesday, that uh, NXT tried to acquire uh, Misawa's company that branched off of all Japan um, with Pro Wrestling Noah and were unsuccessful. Uh, you know, even you can throw money at certain people, but if they see it at a certain level, they're not going to do it. Well, their next acquisition was Dragon Gate, uh, Ultimate Dragon's uh, camps, his trading camps uh, promotion, where Shima was the first champion, I believe, out of the promotion. Dragon Gate also turned them down for their acquisition of their company. So, once again, we don't know where NXT Japan, which looks like their next big promotion that they're going to be doing outside of UK and the US, um, is going to be directly from. Maybe they should just do it. I have an idea, but we'll get into that. But either way, Chris, what do you think about New Japan making a subsidiary of themselves over here in America with New Japan America? And then what do you think about um, NXT Japan trying to position itself first with Pro Wrestling Noah and now with Dragon Gate and being unsuccessful? Uh, so the New Japan stuff is a little weird to me because they put out this like very specific map about which places in America they're going to visit. Uh, they didn't talk at all about what talent is going to be there. So are we going to be just getting New Japan America Dojo guys? Or are we actually getting, you know, your Okadas of the world? Are they going to be bringing in people of Ring of Honor and then showing this as a New Japan show, but with Ring of Honor stars? Um, there's just a lot of things that are up in the air. I'm sure that they'll have big American events and, and markets that would bring in someone like a NATO or a Okada. But, like, I don't know. I, I'm thinking about me, myself. If I pay $40 to go see a New Japan show and I don't see any actual New Japan stars, <laughs> I just see, like, New Japan Dojo guys or Ring of Honor guys, I'm going to be kind of pissed as a fan. Um, and that's a little bit how that interview came off to me, and I don't think they've built, built the American stars they need to. And the ones that they did kind of help build have left and started their own company. Uh yeah, it's, it's a bit strange. And then as far as the WWE purchasing goes, uh, they also tried to purchase Stardom, and they were turned down for that because, they, I mean, they actually made a better cash offer. But uh, when the owner of Stardom asked them, you know, what is your plan for Stardom? Like, what, what are you guys actually going to be doing with this company? They didn't have a plan or an answer for him. So that's how they ended up with, I guess, it, it actually falls under the umbrella of New Japan. I'm trying to. I can't think of the ownership name right off my head. Uh, but so they're they're under New Japan now. Um, once again, like you said, they tried like WWE tried to purchase Noah. That didn't really go through. Um, and there's been rumors, I guess, going back all the way to February that they're trying to start like an NXT Japan, which I I don't. They, I mean, they have NXT is like the only NXT territories they've gotten off in another country has been the UK one so I'm interested to see if they're going to get they I mean they were supposed to be setting one up in China setting it up in Japan and also I'm like is the fan base really going to be that into it here and it's very very hard for like an American wrestling company to do well in Japan so 
uh, it's, I mean, WWE even has a hard time in Japan with, you know, their normal main top line roster. Yeah. And I, I agree. Um, New Japan, it's, 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 it's interesting, but I agree with you on every aspect who they have for it. Um, I mean, if, if you're going to kind of do it like NXT where your U S champion that you crowned first with Kenny not too long ago is going to be the champion over here. Um, no offense uh, to the current champion, but I don't. Uh, you you need to get out on someone else basically sometime soon to be a good representative and a draw over here in the U.S. market. How much involvement will it have with New Japan? Who are they really churning out of the dojo in L.A.? That's a good question in itself. Uh, a lot of questions on that end. With uh, NXT, for me, going to Japan, I think it's a good idea. You know that you can make your own stars, kind of like what you're doing with uh, NXT UK. A lot of those guys, regardless if you watch it all the time, I think they've definitely gotten a lot more exposure, even outside of your Tyler Bates, your Pete Dunne, your Trent Sevens, and your Walters. I think they've built at least a big fan base and are catering to a lot of people over there. Now, the difference is, why not work with these smaller companies like you are doing in the UK instead of trying to outright buy them? You know, you have Progress and ICW that you do a lot of work with and you have a good relationship with and you share a lot of talent with. Why not try to do that? I know Dragon Gate has some involvement with uh, AEW, obviously, um, uh, you know, and that that's fine. I know Pac, that whole thing with him beforehand, he's going back and forth. I think that they actually have some involvement with Impact. I'm not 100% sure. Personally, Noah has presence in other promotions over here. Uh, I just, I, my idea, Chris, with trying to acquire another company, call me crazy. Maybe they do the exact same thing. Maybe money wouldn't be an option to them. There is a huge huge organization over in Japan that has not been the same. I would say that popularity-wise, it might be fourth out of those companies between New Japan obviously being one, and then Noah and Dragon Gate, with all Japan wrestling, they have a bunch of talent over there. They have their own dojo over there. Why not, if not trying to purchase it, why not try to get Baba's company to work with you and try to work with in them to try to pump them up like they used to be since they have prestige kind of similar to what Billy Corgan did with the NWA, honestly, and do something with All Japan, you know, NXT All Japan. That's exactly what it could be called. They have a bunch of talents that I've heard a lot of good things about from people, but they don't get a lot of awareness anymore. They're definitely a shell of themselves. So if you don't try to outright buy them, maybe try to work with one of those companies instead of that. I don't know. Maybe, Maybe I'm just crazy, but it works for them in the U.K., Oh man, I just I'm trying to think of what the fan base would do if WWE bought all Japan. That's why I think work with them is better. Yeah. Um but all Japan I think is kind of on the upswing and I I think they're gonna be doing great things in the future. They have some really great top talent there. Um we don't really get to talk to talk about them too much. I mean there's not in general there's not as much American coverage and, and I don't I mean, the listeners out there can let us know if you guys want us to talk more about all Japan by, by all means, we'll, I'll start reviewing more of their matches. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I think there's great things about the wrestlers. Yeah. There's, there's definitely things that you can do with all Japan and that would be a big one. Um, I, I, my thing about WWE is they kind of have too many pots on the stove in general. Um, they have a ton of talent, so it's not like they actually need the talent. 
I would prefer that they actually – I mean, I know they're trying to, like, develop their self in all these different places and do these different territories and try to build talent that way. But, I mean, it's not like the, the roster is starved of talent. It's more that they don't know how to get the talent they have over. Yeah, and I sometimes think the global localization concept is kind of an excuse for that. But I also think that Hunter does have aspects where he wants to try to make NXT a global brand. And when it comes down to it, even though WWE backs this, I do have a lot more hope in the concept of an NXT Japan than I do a WWE Japan, if that makes sense. Yeah, I guess my other thing would be if you have a choice, you know, the way you can actually make this work is if you take who New Japan would consider Young Lions and you sign them early, mm-hmm. try to build from the ground up. Um, if, you, if you try to avoid that dojo system that kind of exists in Japan to build your own wrestling company, maybe it could work there. I just know that, like, you know, there's been American companies in Japan previously that did not do very, very well regardless of who was kind of booking or in charge of it and who they brought in. Um, I mean, it's just, you know, it really comes down to Noah and All Japan, New Japan, and in some cases, Pride. Uh, But, I mean, they're very, very... (laughs) I mean, those fans are very loyal to those companies, and I don't know if the WWE has definitely necessarily put the good taste in their mouth of where they're currently at coming back over to New Japan are coming over to Japan and creating a new company. I think it would be interesting to see. I think if anything, you could put a school there and try to start your own kind of dojo system and, and just show like the differences and in, in what you're going to do versus uh, like the young lions dojo. But yeah, I, I don't, mm. to me, I just, I don't, I never, I don't really see WWE getting anything done on a huge scale in Japan. No, there's, there's a lot of competition. I agree with you, but uh, like I said, Interesting story, nonetheless. Let's move away to Japan and go back to where we were when we left off over an AEW Dynamite with our review. Uh, we stopped at the match between Kenny Omega and Joey Janela. This is their second match that they had. Uh, they previously had one the week before on AEW Dark, but it was a hardcore match. And um, I actually was very impressed by Joey Janela stepping up his in-ring game. I think the – god dang it, I know I'm going to get crap for this. Joey's uh, interesting. He's in shape, but he's not really like – like you know, I'm just saying that I like Joey Janela. I think that some of those guys – and uh, I mean, I've, I've said this in lots of other promotions, even WWE, just it wouldn't kill them to try to hit up the gym a bit. But, you know, Joey Janela is there for what he's going to be there for. He's got an interesting look. I forgot who the hell it was that said that he looked like Jimmy Garvin from the 80s. Um, when he was part of the Freebirds, and I laughed my ass off. I forgot who was reviewing that, but um, I like him a lot. I like Joey Janela. He's got presence to him, um, and he went against Kenny, and they had a good match. It was uh, much more wrestling-based, and I think that people would uh, think because of Joey, I guess, but uh, back and forth, and Omega pinned him with the uh, one-wing angel. Um, yeah, I thought it was a pretty damn good match. Chris, what did you think? I thought it was a very good match. I, I didn't think it was as good as their dark match that they had on AEW Dark. Um, but they also, you know, didn't have anything to lean on as far as, hey, we can do anything we want. We have like 30 minutes to have this match uh, as opposed to this TV match, which I still thought was very, very well done. One of the better matches on the show. Um, I've always kind of thought Joey Janela was pretty decent in the ring. I, I, he's just known for falling off, you know, shit and getting, 
getting into these crazy CZW, ECW-esque hardcore fights, but I think there is an athlete there that's pretty good in the ring. Um, and I also think that I don't know if it was the comments between Seth Rollins and, and the, kind of the back and forth between Seth Rollins and, and Kenny Omega or just some of the reaction to some of Kenny Omega's matches leading up to his past two or three but someone like lit a fire under Kenny Omega's ass, and he is working hard as fuck in, in every match he's been in for the past three weeks, and kind of looking more like the Kenny Omega that was the PW, uh, PWI number one wrestler in the world uh, not not that long ago. Uh, so it's good to see Kenny Omega back, and I think him and Janela actually have good chemistry, and uh, I, I like this match overall. There wasn't anything that just glaringly bad about it. Um, the only spot I can think of is. Uh, Janela hit like a released German, and uh, I think Kenny was supposed to hit the bottom turnbuckle, but Janela released him like too far away, so Kenny kind of had to throw his head in the turnbuckle, but he was underneath it, and that that spot itself was kind of weird. And normally it wouldn't have been as bad, but Tony Schiavone and JR both tried to like explain what happened, which is always not necessarily the best thing to do in that scenario. Uh, But outside of that, I actually like the match a lot. Yeah, I agree. I think the cleaners coming back, they've kind of hinted at that concept growing within, um, whatchamacallit, uh, All Elite's, um, man, I can't remember what the damn show is, being the Elite. Uh, so we'll have to, you know, see if that continues. I definitely like the prospects of that. I think that's the Kenny of old that we want to see come back, because one has a fire lit underneath his ass, like you said. Another person has a fire lit underneath his ass is Cody Rhodes. Uh, obvious, or not obviously, but I would say arguably – probably the biggest baby face in the promotion of AEW right now. And Cody Rhodes has been uh, feuding with uh, Chris Jericho, obviously going to be going against him in the, in the pay-per-view coming up uh, going against uh, Jericho for the belt. But uh, Cody came out, he was trying to cut a promo. Uh, he had a, a big announcement that he was going to tell Tony Schiavone, but instead of being able to announce that said announcement, whether it had been real or not, we saw something that we, we kind of didn't talk about. I thought it was very distracting during the SCU Dark Order match um, because I think it was in the midst of a hot tag, if I'm not mistaken, uh, where the uh, inner circle came through the audience and went up to their box. thought that the timing of that could have been a bit better not to take away from the match, but that's a little bit of a nitpick. Either way, we know that they're up there, up in the box. Cody's about to make his announcement, like I said, and all of them start using air horns. Uh, which was hilarious. Uh, Cody's getting annoyed. He tries to go back to it. They do it some more. Chris Jericho starts talking shit over his mic. Uh, Cody threatens to come up there. We've ar- I've already made mention about the shot at WWE about the, the walls not going to change, just like the company that we were at beforehand, so I'm not going to even get into that. It was fine. It was much minor, more minor than uh, anything else. Uh, but... We had a stare down between the inner circle and Chris Jericho saying, there's four of us and one of you, what the hell are you going to do? So we have Dustin Rhodes music hits, people go crazy, MJF music hits. Somehow he's getting the baby, baby face response. I can't wait for that turn just because it, MJF is doing great things right now in MLW with the dynasty and he's, it's just going to be awesome. But anyways, and then Diamond Dallas Page, very cool. So they head up to the box Jericho, like a you know chicken shit heel, hides himself in the box, locks the door, is laughing and pointing with the rest of the guys, and Cody takes 
MJF's scarf, his Burberry scarf, and knocks the, the, the glass out, opens the door. Chris Jericho looks terrified, grabs him, throws him outside, and the other guys run inside the box, start beating up the other members of the inner circle. Everyone's fighting throughout the arena. This is the type of shit that we wanted, by the way, when we said we wanted stuff, elements from the Attitude Era that were fun. Shit like this. Um, I will say that my only comment of complaint, and it's minor, you have the audience red hot about Diamond Dallas Page, and I understand you're trying to have Cody, but there were certain spots I wish that you went back to DDP because I wanted to see what he was doing with the brawl. Not expecting a diamond cutter or some shit like that, but I love the dip and dust spot. I thought that was hilarious. As probably, you know, as gross, or ha- I'm sure they had to pay off something if his face really got dipped in the dip and dust. Good promotion for Dippin' Nuts, nonetheless, to have on the fucking program, honestly. So, uh, awesome. I thought it was great. The brawl was fun, and we ended it with Chris Jericho whining about the fact that he bought tickets. Oh, my God. Good shit. Chris, what did you think about this whole segment? I, um, I loved this segment. I thought it was, I thought it was amazing. Um, Chris Jericho is correct. No one's afraid of people wearing scarves. <laughs> There's so many great... Jericho lines. <laughs> so many great Jericho lines in this promo. I love that they slowly built up, you know, Jericho being so cocky. He's like, it's four of us versus one. He's like, it's still four of us versus two. It's four of us versus three. All right, well, why don't you guys just come on up here? We'll kick your ass. We'll pause you know. And then he lost himself. I mean, Jericho is playing what you would think a heel should be, or like kind of the the best version of a heel in wrestling right now. So like, is he channeling Hollywood Hogan? Shit. Yeah, I mean Hogan was a great heel. Um, I mean, just the way he's playing it, the like even going back to the previous week with Darby Allen. So Jericho duct takes this guy's hand. There's no way he's not going to win this match, even if. He didn't need the interference to win this match, but he still had interference to win the match. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, uh, him getting his ass kicked and then just, like, almost crying and going, but I have a ticket <laughs> was pretty great. Um, this man is on fire, dude. Jericho, once again, recreating himself. And to me, as of right now, is the best heel in wrestling. Like hands down, and, and the other thing about AEW is they kind of have one of the best baby faces, which kind of you know juxtaposition to the other side of things, which is Cody Rhodes. I think Cody Rhodes has been great. I you know his promo itself, it, obviously it's not he he had the WWE pop line, which they're just going to do that with his character. And granted, he probably has a lot of reason to be upset at WWE considering his Stardust run. So I don't have as much of a problem with. Yeah. Yeah. As other people. Um, but, yeah, like, I thought he was really, really good here. He sold being annoyed. He tried to sell, you know, not paying it any attention. My only worry about these stupid air horns is our WWE fans going to start bringing these things to the show and being assholes. They'll stop them in security if they do, I would assume, you know. I don't think that – I think, obviously, the reason why they had air, or air horns is because they were doing that shtick. Uh, but I don't – I, if I can't even get in half the damn time with anything in my freaking pocket, I doubt they're going to let in the fucking air horn unless I hide it in their shoe yeah. or some shit. As soon as I saw them um, do that, I'm, I hope I hope that people won't start doing this. Like, <laughs> don't give wrestling fans bad ideas, Jericho. Seriously, it's always 
not the best idea, but uh, I love this, man. I, I thought that, like I said, I think Jericho is kind of channeling Hollywood Hogan a bit, which I think is fucking hilarious. But I think the relationship between Cody and Chris specifically reminds me of Sting and Ric Flair back in the late 80s, just kind of in a modern setting. And I, I think Chris Jericho is amazing, man. He's the David Bowie of fucking professional wrestling. He is, his longevity is ridiculous, and he can change himself. Maybe Madonna is a better reference. Well, those are both still pretty out of date. Whatever. It doesn't fucking matter. They change up their, their look and their feel, and so does Chris. Um, and I just think that he is incredible. He's on, his, he's on the money right now, and I think Cody is too. And I think that if, I, if we knew or someone told us probably like two years ago that Cody would be one of the biggest baby faces right now, we'd be like, get the fuck out of here because he was great at being a heel, but that's – a lot of uh, what we didn't see with the potential of Cody as an in-ring worker, I would say, or a lot of people didn't. Uh, and as a baby face, a wrestling mind, a heel, you know, he's a very, like Jericho, he, he has a lot of great qualities about him. Yeah, and I, I can even go as far to say when he was in Ring of Honor and in New Japan, I did not think that his level was at the same as some of his cohorts. But since going to AEW and kind of having a little more freedom, and being put in this format, and the crowd really getting behind him, uh, the guy's working his ass off and, and cutting good promos and helping write good storylines, and he's really embraced this American dream or American nightmare CEO character, and I think he's he's been absolutely amazing. So, um, uh, man, I'm just really excited for that fucking match already. Like, I, I want Jericho and Cody Rhodes to happen tomorrow, if possible. Yep. All right, well, next match was the Young Bucks going against the Best Friends. Um, I know I know a lot of people don't get Orange Cassidy, and I know I don't get certain wrestlers that would probably be put on the same level as an Orange Cassidy a lot. Um, you know, I never discredit someone as a worker. I just say it's not for me when it comes to certain people. Um, but I, I don't think they shouldn't have a spot in wrestling or whatever. I think that's fucking stupid. Just ignore what you don't like and get over it a lot of times. Um, and Orange Cassidy is hilarious. I thought the super kick party with the Bucks at the beginning where they, he tried to, like, do those super kicks to the shins and fucking Excalibur's trying to, like, really overdo it. And both, like, Tony and JR are just like, what? What are you fucking – what the hell is this? I think that type of stuff is, is, is pretty fucking funny. And when the Bucks just nailed him at the end of it, it kind of, like, justified it a bit, I thought. Uh, but the Young Bucks and Best Friends had a good match. Um, nothing to brag home about, but I think that I will say that I like this tag match better than the two tag tournament uh, semi-final uh, matches. Honestly, it just shows that Nick Jackson is a monster in the ring with his uh, with his finesse, and I think Matt Jackson hell of a lot stronger than he looks they just they they know how to really work that style of tag wrestling and make it believable and uh, fun. I like the best friends. I like Trent a little bit more than Chucky. Uh, the hug thing. I mean, I don't know. I I I wasn't a big fan about Daniel Bryan and Kane. I've never really been a big fan of that. It's funny. It gets the crowd to pop. I get it. Uh, like Orange Cassidy's uh, involvement a bit in it as well towards the end, but. Young Bucks win, and they say Ortiz, Santana, challenge accepted at full gear. Chris, what did you think about this match? So, how, how did well, before I answered the full question about the match, how did you feel about the Young Bucks having a hug moment in the middle of the match? 
That was pretty funny. That was that was definitely pretty funny. <laughs> yeah, I popped for that. I was like, that's awesome. And they still did the same camera spot that they do for the best friend. How do you how better. do you like how do you, and everyone keeps on mentioning this and we haven't really talked about this. The fact that they're doing the hug thing, but they're doing it just like the Okada, you know, Rainmaker backup. <laughs> like are they trying to like try to epic that like it's the same fucking thing? I hope so. That's pretty great. Um yeah, so I think the biggest problem people have with Orange Cassidy is when he does these kind of kicks like he was doing at the beginning of the match. On the indie scene, people will sell that. Um, which that, you know, the that Bucks plays did into not. people like the, Yeah, the Bucks did not. I had zero problems with it here. They just super kicked the fuck out of them. They're not going to do that on their wrestling show. It seems like they, for the most part, have been taking this shit very seriously and trying to have serious wrestling matches. Um, but there's still utilization with Orange Cassidy, and I think there's stuff you could do with that character. This is like, you know, if he throws a weak, like, half-nonchalant kick to someone, you can't have the guy go down and sell like his leg got broken. Like, uh, that's, I mean, that's more of the problem people have with Orange Cassidy, I think, than his actual um, working ability or his overall character. It's that when you put him in the indie scene, it's, it, it almost, I don't want to say it's a dick flip, but when someone sells a kick like that or something, it is kind of a dick flip scenario and then you know anything that Jim Cornette spouts off about um, there's always going to be a crowd of fans behind him that that agree I actually like Orange Cassidy I thought he was fine here I think the biggest weakness with Orange Cassidy is his one spot is the hands in the pocket like big dive and we just saw Darby Allen do like 17 dives the previous week with his hands duct taped behind his back Uh, so it kind of killed Cassidy's spot a little bit, it's like really, it, it wasn't. It's hard to get impressed about something when you, when Darby Allen was like almost killing himself with his hands behind his back, doing all these dives. Which props to Chris Jericho once again for catching this man as many times as he did uh, in last week's uh, dynamite. But yeah, I, I, the match itself I thought was very strong. Um, I actually like the SCU match a little better. I think it was a you know, without the if you take the Jericho stuff out of it and you look at it as just a match, I thought it was my probably my favorite match of the entire night. Um, but I also really, really loved this Young Bucks match. I thought it was very, very good. Um and the I mean, we already kind of talked about this on the previous show, but out of all the tag matches, the 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 one that seems to be getting either you loved it or you hate it, the Pentagon Phoenix match, I I wasn't a fan of at all. So, um, but yeah, I, I, you could go either way with these two matches, and I, I think the Young Bucks were on fire. And I don't think this was as good as the match they had with Private Party, but it was still just another really damn good Young Bucks match. Yep. All right. Well, uh, we had a video package for Britt Baker uh, coming back to Pittsburgh that really went into her past and and her involvement with her city and the fact that she trained for wrestling in the city and she got her practice uh, for dentistry within the city of Pittsburgh. And she's big in it a uh, little shot of, uh, of the NXT champion, uh, Adam Cole. Woo! They are the uh, Romeo and Juliet of professional wrestling right now being on the opposite uh, ends. But um, I will say this kind of goes back to what I was saying. I love Cody. I love, um, you know, uh, Kenny. I love uh, a lot of the people that they've done packages for before. But I think that they weren't people necessarily that they need to kind of have those things for. They were kind of trying to have us, because a large part of the audience is the people like myself that would be watching Being the Elite, but to help some of these other smaller 
known people like Britt Baker that they want us to put investment into, you know, the, the general going audience outside of their huge fan base. Um, they didn't have a lot for them. And uh, I, I'm, I was really happy with this package. I think this has helped out Britt Baker, um, you know, just giving her some life to her character. Uh, I thought she had a pretty decent match with Jamie Hayter next. Uh, she defeated her. I like that she's doing the cross face mixed in with the manable claw. I think that's kind of a, a cool concept. Um, she had her uh, wh- whatever the mascot is for, for Pittsburgh with her from the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, but she won with her submission called the Lockjaw. And after the match, Brady, uh, Brady Rhodes attacked uh, Jamie Hayter. I don't know if that means that Brady's behind all this and she's sending people at Brit to try to lose against her. I know that Hayter is the tag partner to, um, oh, crap, the British female wrestler that Brit's been going back and forth with uh, recently, uh, Will Ospreay's girlfriend. I can't remember her fucking name. Uh, but anyways, so there's some involvement with that. Um I'll try to look it up. B. Priestley. Uh, so I don't know, like I said, if, if B. Priestley and also this, this, the other wrestler have been working underneath Brandy and she's trying to take down Britt Baker and this is going to go between the two of them to kind of keep both of them out of the title picture but still has a main feud. Uh, interesting. But like I said, I think video package like this help out certain wrestlers that we don't know a lot about and that you know certain other people could use them uh, – Adam Page is a really good example of that, who wasn't, I don't think, on tonight. I'm wondering what direction they're going to, because he kind of told Kenny in the, ni- in the nicest way possible to fuck off on the last episode of Being the Elite, and he seems to have tension, you know, in storyline with him and the Bucks as well. So just uh, good stuff, good stuff altogether. Uh, Chris, what did you think about all this with Brent, with uh, Rip Baker? Well, I like Tater a lot. I thought this was a pretty good match. Um Nothing. Anything, it wasn't anything crazy. You know, the greatest wrestling match I've ever seen. Um, but I thought it was solid. It was a. It was a good win. I, I think that uh, the MD uh, Britt Baker needed a strong win. This was a good win. It wasn't just a straight squash match. The only part that I have kind of a problem with is I don't understand the. And I guess I haven't watched the most recent being the elites, um, or Brandy's whatever Brandy's show is called, on YouTube. I, I don't get why she'd be attacking Britt Baker. And I also don't get why it matters because neither of them are actually like Britt Baker just got beat recently by the champion. Um, and if wins and loss mattered, I don't like, I, I just don't get where they're going with that storyline. It's almost like it's an afterthought shoved into the middle of the show because it's Brandy Rhodes. So if I had to complain about it, I just like, while everything else on the show kind of has a clear-cut picture of where they're going, this one I just have no fucking clue what they're doing. And uh, if you if you go back to like Brandy Rhodes, even to those pay-per-views, she would like you know she brought out a bodyguard and Awesome Kong, and that's kind of just disappeared um, with no other mention. So like like I said, I, the, the the women's wrestling stuff um, as good as Rio has been, and, and some of those matches being really good, it's the one side of their program I can easily look at and go, I don't know that they know where they're going with this. Yep. I no, I, I do agree with you on that. It's going to be uh, somewhat interesting. I, I'm assuming she has some dark things up her sleeve. She's just positioning herself as a superhero. She kind of comes off like Stephanie McMahon though, um, within all this. Since interesting since Cody's being positioned as such a heavy level baby face. So, um, this type of thing, though, Chris, I think that you agree. We have a lot of uh, apprehension 
when it comes to storytelling because of what we're kind of used to with, with WWE. But this is a new beast, and I guess we have to just give him the benefit of the doubt to have some type of planning for all this. Yeah, I, and I am to some extent, but also just for whatever reason. I don't think people really want Brandy Rhodes to be a heel, especially with Cody Rhodes being the biggest baby face in the company. So from, it doesn't make if sense. That's where they're, if, if that's where they're headed with it, like I, I fucking don't give a shit about this storyline. I think it's bad. So hopefully that's not where they're going with it, but because um, yep. at that point the only thing you can play up is a possible divorce storyline between Cody Rhodes and Brandy Rhodes, and I don't necessarily want to see that either, and I don't think fans do. Wait, do you think they'll bring in someone like Bobby Lashley to all of a sudden have a relationship with Brandy Rhodes and just be awkward as shit with weird fucking segments like restaurant scenes with Cody trying to like fight people half ass and not want to kill the person? No. Because <laughs> <laughs> AEW <laughs> is still doing a wrestling show. Um, so my guess was Cody will talk about how he got kicked out of his house and him and Brandy having problems and she screws him over somehow. He doesn't win the title and he's just a sympathetic baby face. Like if you want to do that storyline, it's not fucking hard to do. You don't necessarily need all of the weird Bobby Lashley um, people getting undressed on TV shit that they've done. <laughs> I agree, man. All right, let's get to the uh, main event. Um, I would say not controversial, but a lot of people were not happy with the outcome, but I don't really give a shit. They could have, I guess they could have gone, maybe structured a little bit better, Um, but I I don't think a draw is a really big fucking deal. Honestly, people were were mad about this, but I mean, John Moxley and Pac, or Pac, I'm sorry, had a good match, man. they went back and forth. It was, uh, you know, Pack attacked Moxley at the beginning, kind of showing his supreme heelness, if you will, pissed off about Moxley for leaving them hanging and getting uh, beaten uh, the week before. I mean, he took the pin, and they got the loss, so that, that goes against Pack's record, and it seems like that's something that's very important to him, less important to Moxley. But they went off, uh, and they had a draw at the end of it. Moxley almost got the pin, but Pack uh you know, uh, got out right at the last second, and two seconds later, clock was done. We have Moxley at the end of it, all pissed off, like, what the hell's a draw? Like, kind of bringing in that whole animosity towards it, like, it's no freaking draw, are you kidding me? Like, just getting all pissed off in the ring. But I'm sorry, they're going to have to rip the Band-Aid off. They already told people they're going to do this. Uh, New Japan does this. This is a sporting concept. I think it makes a hell of a lot of sense. I don't have a problem with it. It's kind of weird when all of a sudden wrestling matches conveniently end right before it's supposed to end schedule-wise, like on, on WWE. So, I mean, people might not like sports shit because they like the fucking play wrestling, I guess. I, I don't know, but I thought this was this was fine. Ripped the Band-Aid off. Good match between the two guys. Kind of wish we had a little bit more to end the night, like a little extra thing that they have been doing. But we didn't, and that's that's it. Chris, what did you think about the ending of AEW Dynamite? I mean, we've got a little bit of extra. you got to see more of John Moxley's kind of stone cold persona that he's going through right now when he, he gave the uh, DDT to the referee, which they came out on Twitter and said he was being fined $20,000 for. So, I mean, there's still a little bit of storyline on the overrun. Um, I have absolutely no problems with time on the draws. I think if done well, it's way better to get both guys out looking like a million bucks than it is with what WWE does, which is some sort of fuck. DQ finish 
and AEW has done a good job staying. Like, for all the people that are complaining about a time limit draw, would you rather them just do a DQ finish? Because, I mean, that's the other – instead of doing a time limit draw on WWE, they would just do a DQ finish if that was the story they were trying to tell. So when you when you look at it from that perspective, I don't understand why anyone would have a problem with a time limit draw. I like that both guys put over how hard they were trying to win with, like, three minutes left. Um, it's not the best time limit draw I've ever seen. Like, I think the, the storytelling could have been a little – amped up and maybe some of the commentary around it to put over the fact that they're, Hey, these guys are going to a time limit. Um, one of my favorite matches of all time was technically a time limit draw, which is the Bret Hart versus Shawn Michaels, uh, 60 man, uh, 60 minute Ironman match, which essentially went to a time limit draw. And then they went into an overtime. And I think, you know, AEW could look at this and if they want to do, time limit draws and the fans are just really against it. What they could do is go to an overtime format um, where instead of like wins being like you have one win, you count them as points. So like in hockey, for instance, when you do this, like if you win, that's two points. Um, If you go into overtime, both teams get one point or both teams essentially are guaranteed one point. Um, And then if you, you know, if you win, and overtime or shootout, you get two points. So it, it just essentially splits that number, so you're still getting a value when it's when you when it's a draw. So they could do something like that and do an overtime if they really wanted to. It's just I, I just don't understand why people are so weird about you know time limit draws when we see like a bazillion fucking DQ finishes on in wrestling in the past 20 years, not just one company, but like name a company, and it, it's kind of easy to point out. Yeah, it's, it's it's those same people that are saying, we don't want sports entertainment with WWE. We want real wrestling. And when they give more sports-like things and wrestling-like things, they just kind of show with bitching that they really just want sports entertainment with less involvement sometimes with sports-like things. Uh, another thing, Chris, I was going to ask you about. I loved your idea, by the way, um, with the hockey reference. Uh I was wondering with the wins and losses and, and their concept of it mattering and what they're doing, a lot of people are suggesting, and I like the idea of you have an overall score, kind of like UFC, that has your records of wins and losses that show your prestige overall. But then, so that the wins and losses kind of, you know, towards basically at some point in the year, you have a season and you start over. So if you have the best, male and female, you, you you know, kind of like a Royal Rumble concept. The best person gets a title shot towards the end. The person has the best record, unless it's a champion, and maybe they can kind of do like with the, uh, the G1 tournament, that if the champion wins it, if you will, champion has the best record, then they get to make their own title uh, shot for the last uh, pay-per-view of the year, which I think that they kind of, I, I'm, I'm assuming all in is their starting and stop point. So it would be cool if you kind of restart it so that people could have like a fresh thing, but then you also have the overhaul of your actual record that kind of has like a UFC value of like your win loss record. Would that be something that you would be interested in then trying to cater towards? Yeah. I mean, I, I think there's a lot of cool things that they could do around the win loss um, record in general. And there's, I think those are some really, really cool ideas. Um, I, I kind of wish they would do, kind of like I was saying with the overtime that they call, they call it a point ranking and they're not just going straight off, you know, wins and losses. Because when you look at like boxing, for instance, right. 
um, or UFC, sometimes those fights, wins, and losses don't really give you a good idea of the who is really good, who's not really good. So I think drawing, like, even coming up with something like a power ranking or something where it shows, like, level of competition. Um, I mean, in sports, you have, like, advanced statistics that kind of do this. I think all the more data you can give people on stuff like that, even if it's just on Twitter or on your website, I think that's all great and, and things that you should try to build around. Yeah, I found it very interesting, so I thought I'd bring it up. Another thing I find always interesting um, – oh, actually, before we do that, Wednesday Night War, man. I, I think that we should kind of – and this is not this is not – our choices aren't anything that people should find negative. We're just giving an opinion and we're not trying to say one's better than the other. I think Wednesday night is the best fucking wrestling night period. Um, and that's not going to change, but I think we've kind of talked I don't about know, man. before. I, I don't know. Tuesday has oh, been pretty damn good the past two weeks. Tuesday has been pretty damn good, man. And if impact really <laughs> comes back with a impact, if you will, then you'll have AEW second show NWA, which we're about to go over. And then also, uh, impact all in the same night. But either way, Wednesday, the Wednesday Night War is interesting. The question being, who won the wars to you, Chris? Um, who do you think, you know, regardless of ratings, both of them had a dip, but honestly not as bad as, as I think a lot of people assume based on the competition they have with the World Series and the uh, NWA and the NBA starting up again. Uh, I think that they're both doing great on that aspect, uh, you know, and we'll see what happens in the future. Obviously, AEW won, but to me personally, um, I think NW or I think why am I saying NWA for everything? God, straight out of Compton, crazy motherfuckers <laughs> with attitude. All right, um, yeah, I, I I think um, I think I actually did like NXT a bit more this week. I if you were to take the ending of NXT with that match with the three way, going into what happened with Finn Balor with the cherry on top that no one saw coming. Um, I just thought that that, to me, was better than my favorite segment with Cody going up in the box and taking out Jericho. I thought the match quality on both shows was great. I really liked the Matt Riddle uh, match against um, Trevor Lee. I'm just going to call him that from now on. Love the three-way match. I love the uh, the first match with the ladies. Um, I just I, I had fun, uh, if I were to be honest, more so with NXT this week, but they were both great shows. I'm just very excited about what could happen with Finn Balor now going forward. Is he going to take over slowly, like like we've said, the Undisputed Era? Is he going to go for the U.K. belt against Walter to have one more title? Do they all have the titles? Will him and Adam Cole struggle for power? Will he have nothing to do with the Undisputed Era? Will the Demon come back? Is this, is this Prince Devitt coming back in form of personality? So many things that they did I think was very smart of them to go into next week and to create hype, but I still loved AEW. I thought it was a great fucking show. Um, and I actually loved the uh, match at the end between Moxley and Pac with, with the rules without the draw. Um, that didn't bother me that much at all. Chris Jericho forever. What did you think, Chris? Who won the I, war? I mean, if I had to just choose which show I liked more, it was the AEW show. I think what they're doing with Jericho, Cody Rhodes, the inner circle and kind of the Rhodes versus Jericho stuff is very, very intriguing going forward. It makes me want to tune in week to week. I think they did a good job building their pay-per-view, letting you know what matches are going to happen. So I don't have to think like, okay, so are they going to do a four-way for the number one contendership? Like I kind of know where that story is going. Um, 
And I thought, for the most part, maybe outside of that Lucha Brothers match, the wrestling on the show was, was damn good. That being said, I also really enjoyed NXT. Um, my, my, more of my problems with NXT is the, some of the storytelling. And I know right now they're just kind of in a weird situation because they had some injuries and they had to switch some things up. And they're, they're having to write on the fly, with obviously, with Velveteen Dream being out. Um, but, yeah, I, I mean, I, I enjoyed both shows. They were both very, very good wrestling shows. Um, just as far the best as like out of all of them. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like even the small negatives that I have about NXT aren't real negatives. But if I had to say, you know, which show I enjoyed more, it was probably the AEW show. Hey, fair enough. And we don't hate each other based on the fact that we liked one show over the other people. So try to be fucking nice to each other. And don't if if you're such a, a fan of WWE or AEW separately, don't take it out on the opposite concept. Just enjoy good wrestling. You know, NXT was great. Watch it live if you want. Watch AEW live and then watch the other one afterwards on, on DDR. Yeah, I or mean, on, you know, just enjoy the fucking shit. We got great wrestling we gotta, on Wednesdays. Yeah, we gotta we gotta see we gotta see Matt Riddle do a fucking jackhammer. It was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So much good shit. And I also and one more thing with uh with NXT that I'm happy about is I'm I'm glad that they confirmed that the women's tag are gonna travel to NXT. And I'm very excited to see Cardi Sane and especially Asuka come back next week. I think that's going to be another homecoming thing like Finn Balor was this week. So uh, I like all that. I, 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 missed part, I think I missed part of this. So are they just specifically talking about the tag titles, right? Yeah, so the tag tra- titles are going to travel. I think that – what I think is that Triple H talked to Vince and was like, look, you're not doing anything with the fucking tag titles on Ron SmackDown. Can we have those ladies come and compete on this show? You can still have them show up on Raw and SmackDown. Just, you know, do whatever with them. But the title should travel still to NXT. And Asuka has a lot of value in NXT if she comes back in some way. That's what I'm it's assuming. Like, it's, it's Triple H's way of slowly stealing back Asuka and Carrie Zane. Basically. Basically. <laughs> put, them in a fu- put them in a fucking thing with Io Shirai. Let them all be fucking heels that still de- – like, you can be a heel – and the audience can like you, and then them not actually go against the audience. Them just do heelish shit. I'm completely down for that. Because Kyrie Sane's handling it in a way where she's still being cutesy about it. Asuka's always been aggressive, and Neo Shirai's doing a fucking great job. But yeah, if you're gonna have uh, if you're gonna have a competition with AEW, with them saying that they're gonna be you know bring Josie wrestler or Yoshi wrestlers and and do that, you got three of the biggest. We talked about this in the past. Why would you not utilize them on on NXT? Yeah, I I think you have a you have a great point there. Uh, I'm totally down for that. I I I'm still not on the Gary Zane heel turn. Me all. neither. She does. She's she's cute and she's she's making it work, but she's a natural baby face, so it's weird. If you switch her and EO out, it'd be perfect. Like they would be scary as hell. But um, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's interesting. Oscar always came off like almost a almost a heel, even when she wasn't. Like, she got herself over as a baby face, but she wasn't really booked as a baby face. She was just booked as a dominating character, much kind of like, you know, Bill Goldberg, right? Like, Bill Goldberg wasn't booked as a baby face. He just kicked everybody's ass. So it was like, just, he's a dominating presence. That's kind of kind of that. But if you actually watch uh, those Oscar matches against the, the NXT matches, she definitely was being like in, as far as in the ring, she was doing some kind of heelish shit. So 
Like, she makes sense. Yep. Like, she, even her offense is just so super baby face. <laughs> like, if, if they're going to have her be a heel, she can't do that elbow drop. She's got to do something else. Like, well, <laughs> I'm wondering, I you know, this like I said, this involves booking of them being involved in NXT longer than they might, honestly, and also involves them incorporating Io Shirai in the mix. But wouldn't it be great if Curry Sane, if they had the three of them together and Curry Sane ended up being the quote-unquote weaker of the three and Asuka and Io just turned on her and then they could position it that way? You know, there are creative things. With NXT, it's kind of like what we say about uh, AEW in a way, where it's like, that could happen. They could actually plan for that, because they usually have fucking good booking compared to their main counterpart with uh, WWE <laughs> SmackDown and Raw. Yeah, I mean, I think that's, uh, that would be I think that would be awesome if you kind of put them together and then EO wins the title, maybe there's some dissension, or you have Kerry win the title, or, you know, whatever, however you want to book it, and then you, you break them up that way. Um. I don't know. They should just move them back to NXT and just say that they're in fucking NXT. And I yeah, actually, make them the NXT. Just make them the NXT tag titles, like he did the cruiserweight, you know, and just let them fucking do it there, or some shit, or or get them out of there with the titles and just put it back on NXT. <laughs> I don't care. I mean, even as even as many females as they have in the WWE roster in comparison to the past, they still they don't, don't really have, have enough roster spots to do a fucking tag division. With three shows, like it's it's pointless because what, what you're going to end up with is like here's two people thrown together. Now they're a tag team, um, which always sucks. <laughs> yep. All right. Well, now that we just talked about the Wednesday Night Wars, let's talk about uh, two programs. Uh, well, I, I don't even. We'll go over SmackDown when we get to it. But I'm not going to say both. One was good. And one was bad. But uh, NWA Power was fucking awesome. Tuesday, we had the third episode, and this was called The Twilight of Tim Storm. Basically, the concept going into this was Tim Storm is down on himself for now not being able to compete for the NWA title. He feels like he's, you know, pretty much done on his run. And Eli Drake comes to rejuvenate him and try to form a tag team with him and Tim to go against the champions to try to get those titles, basically. Um, God, there was so much in this episode. So fucking good. I mean, the highlights to me, just overall, I like this new alliance, if you will, with Eli and Tim. I think this is going to set up, to me at least, Eli for a heel turn because he's fucking money when he's a heel. To turn on Tim Storm, you know, we saw the devastation at the end where Tim got screwed up or fucked up by the, the Dawson brothers. And before Eddie Kingston and um, and Homicide could get them off, we had Nick Aldis coming out concerned that Tim was down at the end of it. Um, I love that Thunder Rosa, that I knew she was coming, but that she's actually going to be a part of it. She's going to be a great female talent involved with this. Definitely looking forward to that. It just, you know, and also Caleb Conley is someone to watch, I think. Uh, I think that he's fucking awesome, you know. Uh, but... Just a damn good episode with Jim Cornette being amazing with his mic skills. Um, I, I just love it. You know, we'll, we'll go into it a little more deep. But overall, Chris, what did you think about NWA Power Week Three? Uh, it was just as good as the previous two weeks, man. I really enjoyed the commentary. I like the storyline of Camille not being able to talk and really pushing 
almost something sinister about Nick Aldis. Uh, think, you know, Macho Man and the way he kind of treated Miss Elizabeth, not as obviously in your face, but kind of there. Um, I, I like the Tim Storm and, and Eli Drake storyline a lot, and, and all the wrestling across the board um, was pretty solid. I mean, we had some shorter matches, but nothing that was just glaringly bad. Um, the only complaint I have about this show is the audio sounds fucked up to me uh, for the commentary. I don't know if you noticed this, but it was like way lower than the first two weeks, and yep, like some audible cracking and, and different things. But you know, because of the way the show is filmed, you can almost let your mind just be like, "Well, that makes sense." Uh, <laughs> so it didn't bother me that bad. Uh, but yeah, there, that was the only thing I would say is the um, some of the audio on the show and, and the production as far as audio goes was pretty pretty bad. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. Um, I also think that's really good of them. I think that they shouldn't pat themselves on the back too much, but I get it right now, is that at the beginning of the intro, they give you a time countdown, and during that, they show you a lot of flashes of them getting a lot of publicity from different wrestling outlets and different wrestling reviewers and big wrestlers, you know, putting their excitement down. Um, I, I, I think it's great, and I think that they're building a damn good tag division. Uh, some of their hodgepodge tag teams with – Ken Anderson and Cole Cabana, or now this one with Eli Drake and Tim Storm. They got the Dawsons. They got the Wild Cards, which is their champions. We know the Rock and Roll Express is going to be in the mix. Um, they have Eddie Kingston and Homicide. They have a lot of good tag teams, and especially for the style that they have, they have guys like Homicide that can do some pretty radical shit, but nothing too crazy, obviously, mostly because of his age and the style of wrestling that they're doing. But other than that, it's a lot of just wrestling-based aspect tag teams which is the reason that some people think that i'm crazy i don't know if they would just quote unquote make a stop damn i think the revival would be awesome in it i think arn anderson said that on his podcast that they would work really well with an nwa power and i just love that a lot of the older wrestlers are liking it i think that that's fucking awesome but the women's division they're building uh they'll have a lot of just great talent in general and i'm really wondering like you said where the hell this is going with nick aldis and camille like you know where 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 is this going? And 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 is Nick and 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 uh, and Eli two natural heels going to show their colors within the next couple of weeks, or are they going to clash? Or you know, there's there's so many options. There's so many ways of doing about going about this. I'm just also really proud that their their pay per view sold out almost immediately, and now their their house showings, which sucks for me and Chris, have been selling out almost immediately as well uh, for the next couple of episodes. So. I know personally there's some crazy stuff to come out in the next couple of weeks with their next round of uh, recorded shows that my buddy was at and kind of showed me, told me some of the details of it. So I'm really looking forward to that play out. Um, I love the stupid fucking, you know, Austin Idol with his school, the, uh, the tires friggin' you know, commercial. It's, 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 it's great. And, you know, Arn Anderson, Chris, uh, on his podcast, him and him and Conrad were talking about NWA, and he was saying, you know, he didn't say specifically for NWA, but just in general, just let everyone know, he doesn't have an exclusive contract with AEW. He is helping him out as somewhat of a road agent, but he doesn't really have to just go there. So, God, if he, you know, him stepping in there would mean a lot, I think, for the company. If you were to come manage someone, promote someone, just come by and make an appearance, fuck, whatever. You know, if they get some of the older guys that were known for the NWA, Tully Blanchard, obviously, is another one. 
think that would help out with the company, and it wouldn't take back from what they're doing. But overall, I think this show's fucking great. I don't, I don't know. I can't criticize it. And I can't wait for the pay per view because we're going to be able to see the matches really flesh themselves out. I'm okay with this kind of leading up to it, though. I'm a lot of people in the '80s were used to that with NWA's TV programming of shorter matches, and I was kind of conditioned to it in the early '90s with uh, WWE superstars. You know, before they had Raw, they had that show, and it was all squash matches building up pay-per-views. So I think that's essential sometimes in wrestling, especially old-school wrestling. Yeah, I agree with you. And, I mean, the biggest thing that, that I've taken away from NWA, even with some of their shorter matches, there is still a direction that they're going in. There's the story they're telling, and there is the built pay-per-view, like you said. Um, and also just their focus on promos and the way they've handled those in the aspect and just the general – view of the show it's almost like someone is writing a a tv show about wrestling with the way it's filmed and everything like it actually feels kind of what lucha underground was trying to do but better yes um that would be the way how we put it we're like this is like a tv show about a wrestling company not this is a wrestling show um, and it's been very damn entertaining. I've loved every minute of it, and, and Jim Cornette's been money on the mic. Um, and yeah, and it's every every Tuesday I get so excited because I get AW Dark in NWA. Yeah, I'm, 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 I think we pretty much covered the uh, episode itself. Did you have any other details that you wanted to talk about with this? There's not a lot of like new people that came in. It was kind of just extending storylines with this episode. No, I'm not 100% sure what they're doing with James Storm, so I'm, I, I want to see how that plays out. But everything else, man, there's not anything that I really have questions on. It's just a good-ass show, and um, I, I can't put it over. It, it's the most surprising thing to me, the show. So, I, I, you know, I've been putting it over really hard, but it's because I was so, like, down on what NWA was until they had – their pay-per-view where you had, I guess it was rock and roll. It was the tag tournament pay-per-view that they had up until then. Um, and a little bit of the 10 pounds of gold stuff. I just was not sold on this idea, but they've completely proved me wrong and deserve all the props in the world for what they've been able to accomplish so far. Yeah, man, I think it's pretty impressive. And like I said, I don't know. I think, I think it's all up, uh, all, all, all good things, all positive things for them going forward. And, uh, I'm just happy. I think Billy Corgan has really put in the stance out there of being just a just a badass with this, man. You know, it's so funny that the lead singer guitarist for the Smashing Pumpkins has so much passion to say, you know what, I loved this so much as a kid. Fuck it. I'm going to buy this corporation. You already tried to get impact. Got fucking bridges burned on that, uh, you know, from uh, obviously Dix Carter against him. Uh, and now bought the oldest fucking wrestling organization and has turned it back to what it used to be. Not tried to re- change it or anything. Actually literally tried to image it like it was. So just as impressive as it is with Court Bauer doing what he's doing with MLW, with Don Callis doing what he's doing with Impact and creating it to be the new Canadian-based wrestling organization. And, um, oh, man, I can't remember um, the the – the guy who's taken over Evolve that used to be uh, Ring of Honor that works for fucking Paul. Like, all those guys, Gabe Sapolsky, they're all fucking doing their thing and doing a really good job of it. And honestly, when it comes down to Ring of Honor, I wish someone was there that had that care with it 
because I know that Sinclair does not. Um, they're not pumping money into it like these other ones, unfortunately. But I'm really happy that NWA is doing itself, and I think Billy's doing a great job to close things out. Chris, any final statements? No, I, I and just to, just one thing on Ring of Honor. I think that they still have people there that really care about the company, especially with the way it's booked. But yeah, you're right completely about them not really giving that thing any kind of fuel to the fire. And even if you go and look at kind of their current talent acquisitions, they haven't been out there actively trying to do anything, um, which is unfortunate. That sucks. Um, all right. Well, let's go over a little bit of SmackDown. Um, try and think. God, this is this is a hodgepodge. I'm reading over this stuff, and I'm like, I watched this fucking show last night, and I'm still not comprehending what I'm looking at right now. Because uh, it was pretty fucking bad, and I still don't understand how wins and losses matter on this fucking show. Uh, yeah, I, I, I don't. I don't get it. Um, so I guess we'll just go over aspects of the show. Ric Flair has his team. They only. I know that you're doing SmackDown only, Raw only, but if you're having something where there's Raw superstars and SmackDown superstars mixed in, I don't know why you couldn't have both fucking teams on to really promote your pay-per-view that's coming out fucking next Thursday in Saudi Arabia, if that's what you're trying to build towards. But so what uh, you're saying players, is they're almost. In, so what you're saying is they're almost immediately disregarding the draft. Somewhat. I mean, no, they're not because you didn't have anyone from Raw on SmackDown. Uh, but it was still awkward that Stone Cold or, or Stone Cold Hulk Hogan was he had he didn't have his full team he just had you know obviously Roman Reigns but then he was it was just weird like I, I love Ali and I I love Chad Gable I refuse to call him Shorty G I think the whole thing's fucking stupid but it, it wasn't convincing like do you think Hulk Hogan gives a shit about Ali or fucking Shorty G like I don't know it's just this whole thing this whole thing is is just kind of silly to me, and then to bring Cesaro randomly into it, just so he can take the fall at the end of the night. Yeah, Lame. I think more of what I was what I was getting at with my comment, man, was why did you not just have a team Raw and a team fucking SmackDown? That would have been the smartest idea, man. And then you could have had Flair representing one and Hulk Hogan representing the other. Wow, that would have been brilliant, actually, now that you say that. Well, we have this thing, we have this thing in November where both brands go against each other for world supremacy. Or whatever the fuck they say. Um, ugh, God. But yeah, so I didn't think the beginning segment was bad. I just thought it was whatever. <laughs> I don't care I mean, about I, it. I, I don't care about Saudi Arabia. I, I don't care about it. And also, like, there's only so many times you can roll Hogan and Flair out there for me to care. Like, I just saw Flair on Monday. Oh, here's another great aspect. Okay, so the matches were announced for next week, and we had a match with Rude and Ziggler going against the New Day, and look at how much Kofi has dropped. Not only did he not mention a goddamn thing about him losing the title, had any type of relevance with that. Obviously, we have Xavier. He's hurt. He got rolled up by fucking Dolph Ziggler in this. One, two, three, it's over. And then they make things even fucking weirder. Somehow they get a title shot. Against the Revival, it's going to be the New Day against the Revival for the titles next week. Please explain to me how the fuck that makes even any sense whatsoever, Chris. I can't, dude. It fucking sucked. (laughs) (laughs) Got no explanation for you here, man. 
<laughs> I'm still just baffled that they beat Kofi Kingston in 15 seconds after booking him strong for like seven months. So, <laughs> God damn it. So stupid. All right, so blah, blah, blah. Tyson Fury, I crown jewel. Blah, blah, blah. Lacey Evans beat a jobber. That's fine. Nikki Cross, her backstage segment. Why isn't she crazy? Like, if you're going to separate her from Alexa Bliss, she doesn't have really a reason to try to be down to earth. It's just not working. And I, 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 don't, I don't get it. One of her best things is that she's kind of, like, unstable, and they've completely taken away from that, and it's kind of stripped her character. So her being a single star, even if she's going against Bailey, who's wearing fucking or is an all-black, not saying shit on commentary when she should be trying to get her storyline over next to Sasha, I didn't get it. I didn't get it at all. I don't know what they're doing with Nikki Cross. Chris, is she just cannon fodder for Bailey? Uh, yes, pretty much. But, like, is Alexa Bliss still on SmackDown? Yeah, they both got traded individually, unless one got put back on. No, that's right. Maybe she went back. Tra- I don't fucking remember, man. They had trades, like, a day after they announced the goddamn fucking roster. Okay, so, yeah, I think that's what happened is they, she got traded, right? And now she's just gone, and she hasn't been on either show. But I can't confirm make, or deny. Who, doesn't this make, like, SmackDown look like the dumbest brand in the entire fucking world where they draft a team using two separate draft picks and then just trade one of them? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I think, I think what happened was they were both con- or supposed to go to Raw, and they traded them for Raw to get two picks by them. I don't know what the fuck happened, dude. I'm trying to keep up with this shit. It's not working out. Uh, um, I will say that it sucks. I mean, he's still getting a pop, but I think the Firefly Funhouse was funny. I thought it was it was great, but I thought that it lost its steam a bit, and it's very convenient that the the house is built back up. I have no idea what the hell they're going to do next Thursday. Just, I believe they're probably going to end up fucking over this great gimmick even more so than it already has been tarnished, which some crazy because two months ago, a month ago, we were raving about this shit, Chris, with uh, Bray. Yeah, I mean, I, I still think that it had the potential to be good. They just they did exactly what I thought WWE would do and find some way to fuck it up, <laughs> which shouldn't even be possible because everyone was behind this guy. They just wanted something new and different, and he was giving them that, and all he had to do was either not have that match with Seth Rollins or this feud with Seth Rollins or just win. And then, like, even if you want the title on Seth Rollins, then you just strip the title off of them. You move brands, and you you just fucking strip the titles off your two champions. You can do whatever the hell you want. <laughs> like, you're a wrestling company. Um, I don't understand the Firefly Funhouse getting burnt down in general because it's clearly filmed as if it is a TV set and not an actual house. So in my mind, I was like, so Seth Rollins just burnt down some TV studio somewhere? Like, it's fucking weird. And then it's just rebuilt by Friday, and none of this shit actually matters. So it this just sucks. Bray doesn't need to be in a storyline with Seth. And they're putting them in another no-DQ match, which means Seth has to win. Unless they're going to yep. swap the brand with those two. So we're just getting the same fucking match. And, and, and it's WWE, so more than likely... They're going to try to do some other kind of fuck finish on this thing because there's people in WWE that said the fans just didn't understand what we were going for. Like, no fucking – yeah, no shit because it doesn't make any sense. 
So I'm sure they're going to try to shove it back down our throats again with some kind of fuck finish in Saudi Arabia because they're not taking the belt off Seth and moving him to SmackDown. So I, I don't know. I hate all of this shit. I hate all of it. <laughs> like, yeah. all of the Seth Bray stuff since even leading into Hell in the Cell, I didn't think it was fucking great other than, you know, Bray just showing up and murdering people, which is all he should be doing anyways. Um, but yeah, it, this is this. Uh, I fucking hate this Saudi Arabia show. It sucks every year. It fucks all the storylines completely because they think they have to do these big, grandiose things for a pay-per-view that is basically a house show. Yep. I have one one other thing to complain about before two things I actually liked about the show that we'll go over um, before we, we, we clear off the air. But uh, Drew Gulak, man. You're telling me that you took the cruiserweight belt off of him. He was able to perform in NXT, you know, when he was now someone that could transition to that. He was able to do stuff with Evolve through being involved specifically only with 205 and now NXT. And you just drafted him so he could do his old shtick and get destroyed by Braun Strowman and potentially make himself look like a fucking jobber, a future jobber for everyone on SmackDown. Instead of kind of like the modern age Dean Malenko of being this fucking great submission wrestler. I just was shaking my head all at the expense of trying to get the stupid Braun Strowman Tyson Fury thing. I mean, I like the PowerPoint presentation, but if you don't do it, then the gag's not even worth it. And if it's all to fucking just get someone else over so you can get destroyed, you're fucking losing a lot of wrestling potential that could have been used and utilized a hell of a lot better on NXT. What'd you think about that, Chris? I think it's was uh, it unfortunate for Duke Gulak because I, I feel like he was having a good run um, on 205 and in some of the matches he had in NXT. And uh, one, of, one of my favorite matches this year, I mean, it's probably in the top 20, was that uh, Gulak riddle match they had at the Evolve uh, pay-per-view. The guy's, like, doing really, really well. And then, like you said, they just sent him out for Braun to try to get over his knockout punch. Like, anyone is going to believe that this man can actually knock out Tyson Fury, who is a professional fucking boxer, whatever. I, and, like, the you don't champion. need to put Braun over. Like, wouldn't the idea of the wrestler versus the boxer be, instead of trying to get the wrestler's punch over, getting his actually actual fucking wrestling ability over? You would think so, but they only do fucking wrestlers against guys that are, you know, are huge like Braun Strowman and the Big Show. That it's hard for them to wrestle. So, uh. <laughs> but Braun's a good wrestler. You can get over his power, his yeah. size, his actual wrestling ability. Not like his knockout punch. It's fucking stupid. I know, I agree. Like, bro, it's it's whatever. I mean, this to me, I have no interest in this match at all. Because it sounds like they are going to have a, try to have an actual wrestling match between these two. And being that Tyson Fury has no formal wrestling training and it was announced like three weeks ago that this match was happening, I guarantee you it's going to be awful. Yep. All right. Well, I will say, like I said, there's two things about SmackDown. Uh, both happened pretty much. You know, I, I will say that the, the tag match at the end was fun. It was a lot of uh, moves back and forth. I thought all the guys did a great job. The guys representing Team Hogan and Team Flair. I just thought it sucked that Cesaro was just put into it, take the pin, because they couldn't have Raw guys on SmackDown. Whatever. But I will say that the, the segment with Michael Cole and Daniel Bryan, and Daniel Bryan, you know, it's kind of cheesy him asking, are you still doing the Yes Movement now? 
But at the same time, where's Daniel Bryan at? That's the whole question at him. And before he can answer, you have Sami Zayn and Shinsuke that offer this concept of an alliance that really, if you think about it, kind of would be cool. Now, I think this is just to get Daniel Bryan against Shinsuke, which is something that, that both guys, since they were roommates in Japan and good friends and going to the dojo together uh, to train, you know, they've been wanting to have a program now that they've both built themselves up. Uh, I remember this when, uh, whatchamacallit, Shinsuke had the IWGP Intercontinental title at the same time Daniel Bryan had the WWE Intercontinental title, and that was something they've always talked about, one of the reasons why Shinsuke came over here. So now they have potential to do that. That's great. We also know the, the bad thing about that because Shinsuke, well, maybe Daniel Bryan and them could have some great matches, whatever. Getting past that, though, I like that Daniel Bryan didn't take a stance. He didn't say yes or no, and he kind of cold-shouldered them. Uh, I think that this adds a good storyline going forward of what's going on between them. Um, I just, I, I don't know. I, I would assume they're going against each other, but maybe Daniel Bryan isn't going to be, you know, the leader of the, the yes movement, but I like this. I like the other thing a lot more, but I like this too. Chris, what'd you think about this segment? I like this and I look forward to a Shinsuke, Daniel Bryan feud, maybe. Um, really hard for me to buy is the yes movement back when he just gave, Roman Reigns a hug on the last fucking pay-per-view. <laughs> that's a good point. Um, I mean, that's the most baby-faced thing you can do is give Roman Reigns a hug in the middle of the ring. So, yeah, you know, I, it, it, like to me, if you don't put him as a baby-faced, then that's weird, but uh, I do look forward to the feud, and I, at least they're trying to play it off as like, maybe Daniel Bryan is a good dude, but it, it's just hard to buy at this point. Especially when he was so offended that they that you know Rowan tried to kill Roman. I mean, this is shit that happened like four weeks ago. I would get if it was like six months ago, and they choose to forget it. But this is like not even that long ago. Well, I, I like also though to kind of counter that in a way that they brought up at the beginning. You know, Sammy was like, "You don't agree with this. Look at what you said, fucking not even a year ago," and brought up Daniel Bryan just cutting down everything as a heel. So that kind of shows the reflection, but I do agree with the hug thing. I completely fucking forgot about that. Um, it's just interesting because you have two two ways you go about it. You either get a program with Shinsuke and Daniel Bryan, or even some matches potentially with Daniel Bryan and Sammy for beforehand. That will be great. Or you get Daniel Bryan actually still staying as a heel and a good unit between Sami Zayn, Shinsuke, and Daniel Bryan now as a leader, I would assume. So it, it's two good – I don't see a lot of negative, but then again, it's WWE, so what the fuck, you know? Yeah, I, I don't want to see them as a fashion. I'm already kind of tired of Sami Zayn in general. Like, he's kind of wearing on me with the way that they've u- utilized him. Um, yeah, and Daniel, unfortunately, there's just so I agree. Much more than Daniel Bryan can do. Like, there's so many other feuds yep. he could have, and they're going to need that because someone's going to have to either fight Kane Velasquez or Brock Lesnar, and you have to have someone the fans can believably get behind. Um, as far as when they can challenge for that title. Yep, I agree. All right. The other thing I really like before we get out of here on SmackDown, I really, really like the whole segment with Rey Mysterio coming out. You know, he just has so much passion to him, and and he's such a great baby face that you believe him and him talking about everything and cutting down Brock. And then he brings Cain Velasquez, puts him over again, they're built, he's kind of building him in the ring as, his, as his, basically the manager. And then we have Paul Heyman and Brock Lesnar. 
Now, I know the audience probably was not happy about this because they probably wanted Brock in the ring. But for storyline purposes, and I get that if you were there and you're pissed that Brock wasn't actually in the ring. For storyline purposes, to have Brock, you know, say Brock's not going to be out there. We're in another place. And then finally zoom out the camera. He's beating the living shit out of Dominic, uh, who was in the back. Ray and, and Kane rush to the back. Brock blindsides them with a fucking trash can, annihilates all of them, and gives uh, Kane a F5 that was supposed to go basically on top of the table, on top of Dominic. Instead, Kane just came down, smacked his, his feet into Dominic, and they both tumbled over. But the aftermath looked devastating and made the beast look that much more evil and sinister. And Kane Velasquez, even though he was cutting a promo in Spanish, was really looking pissed. I'm looking forward to this interaction because I think it's going to go past – well, I think it potentially has a, it could go past Crown Jewel, uh, mostly because fucking Kane actually signed an agreement with WWE for a two-year contract, has been training in wrestling, and wants to be a wrestler. So I, if anything, I think this potentially could be a good match, especially compared to Braun and fucking Tyson Fury. And I love what they've been doing with building it up. They've been doing a damn good job, so I'll give them that. Chris, what do you think about this segment? And Walter getting his ass kicked once again by Brock Lesnar. <laughs> I loved it. I think everything they've done with Rey Mysterio is probably one of my favorite storylines because we really didn't know where they were going to go um, with the Dominic stuff right off the bat. But bringing in Kane versus Brock, Kane signing a two-year deal in WWE, um, as far as I know, it's not a limited date deal either, which is exciting. I think he's only going to get better. Um, and I actually look forward to the Brock Lesnar Kane Velasquez match. And, uh, you know, over the years, watching Brock just destroy every fucking body all the time has, uh, has grown on me. <laughs> I think I'm a fan of it. He's a good <laughs> heel. And so is Paul Heyman. <laughs> he's pretty good at making you believe that he's murdering people. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I actually I enjoyed this. Well, there you go. We had some positive things to say about SmackDown. Uh, it's just, god damn, man. It, Wednesday even makes it look more so with Ron SmackDown, like, what the fuck is going on? It's actually Tuesday and well, Wednesday back-to-back. I mean, I think my biggest problem with SmackDown is they basically pissed on our leg and told us it was raining by saying it's going to be completely different than it was previously. <laughs> <laughs> Wins and losses are going to matter. This, this, and this. And then I tune in and it's just fucking SmackDown. Like the same exact show. Oh, Lord. All right. Well, we're, we're kind of uh, about to get out of here, if you will. But I uh, just wanted to thank everyone that started, you know, that came in and listened today. If you're any of our live listeners, thank you guys. Tell your friends about us. It really would mean a lot to me, Chris. Let us know what you think, like some of you guys do on Facebook. At Dane Alves, you can find me there. If you don't like me, you can find me at Dane Alves on Twitter. Um, and uh, just go to our website, Geek Guys Nation. It has news. It has articles for everything pertaining from video games to comic books, to comic book movies, to movies, to professional wrestling, to other sporting things like basketball, hockey, whatever. If it's a geek-related thing, that we cover it. Twitter, Facebook, and also Instagram at Geek Guys Nation, guys. And search us Wrestling Geeks Alliance on platforms like Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and iTunes. Also, I have a show on Mondays called Monday Suck, where I talk about a bunch of stuff like politics and comic book movies and 
and whatever. Uh, I think that Monday, me and Chris might be covering Wu-Tang, an American saga. And I will transition to you, Chris, because I know you have a couple plugs and things to say beforehand. You've got a show that you're recording today that comes out tomorrow about some hard Yeah, heat. yes. Uh, yeah. Skates to Throats, it'll be out uh, tomorrow. We're supposed to be recording today, so... Look out for that on Spotify. It is the hockey podcast. We go over rivalries, the latest news, um, and hockey, as well as you know, sports scores and just other weird hockey-related items that pop up during the week randomly. Uh, you can hit me at Chris R. Patton on Twitter or Christopher R. Patton on Facebook. Um, love to hear from you guys, and really, actually, excited to talk more hockey with you. So, y'all have a great weekend. And that's the bottom line, Stone Cold Sesto. So thank you guys so much. We'll see you next Wednesday at 7 p.m. for another episode of Wrestling Geeks Alliance. You guys have a wonderful day. Well, as always, peace day. out. Damn it. Damn it. Damn it. Damn it. I'm not going to get used to that for a while. It's Thursday and Saturday, Sky. Rewind. Flip it in reverse. It. It's more for the Nipitwai. Yeah, anyways. Um, so let me, let me start this over again. Me, 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 me. All right, so next Thursday, we'll see you for another episode of Wrestling Geeks Alliance. Remember, it's Thursdays, 6 p. or damn it, Thursdays, 7 p.m., and Saturdays at noon. I have a show called Monday Suck that's actually on 6 p.m. on Mondays. Blah, blog Talk Live, you guys got all the other stuff. Just have a good weekend. Enjoy yourselves. Enjoy all the wrestling, and don't be a D-bag. That's the whole fucking point. Peace out, and let the geek vibes be with you. Hey, monkeys, it's me, D-D-P, Diamond Dallas Page, the king of Bada Bing, the master of Diamond Cutter, the three-time world champion professional wrestler, WWE Hall of Famer, and CEO and founder of DDP Yoga. And you monkeys, well, you're listening to Geek Vibes Nation. And that's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. Bang!